When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast here on a Tuesday. Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot. This is the Hey Mary Kay edition of the podcast. If you missed our Super Bowl recap, uh, you can find that on any of our podcast feeds. So go check that out. We did some winners and losers. We talked commercials, halftime shows, all of that stuff. So make sure you go check that out uh, if you haven't already. These questions came from our Football Insider subscribers. Cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page to get that info. They came from our texters, so you can sign up to be one of our texters there. couple Super Bowl leftover questions. This one comes from Jim in Columbus. Hey, Mary Kay, based on the performances you saw in the Super Bowl, do you think the Browns could have beaten either team? And he gives you some options here. No doubt. Very likely, oh man, these are a lot of options. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna cut this down. Uh, very likely, not likely, or no way. Well, I think that it's not no way, and it's not not likely. So, what were the two more positive ones? <laughs> so, I'll have to add another one in here. Uh, very likely and good chance. Um. Hmm. I think there needs to be one. Yeah, like maybe. (laughs) Yes, exactly. That would be the one. I don't know if it would be good chance, but I'm saying that there's a chance. They would have had a chance. Um, And of course, we're talking about, you know, you would have had Joe Flacco as your quarterback. And when you've got Joe and you've got David and you've got Amari and you've got that offensive line and you've got a running game. Yes, you're going to have a chance. And you have that defense, you absolutely would have a chance. I don't necessarily know it would if it would be a good chance. You're talking about Patrick Mahomes. I mean, I'm sure that the 49ers, you know, thought they had a really good chance to beat Patrick Mahomes. Uh, so did the Ravens, but it didn't work out that way. So I'm not going to say good chance right now, but I will say, Uh, that they would have had a chance. Because if you don't turn the ball over, and we saw that Kansas City turned the ball over, right? So anything can happen. If you play a clean, clean football game when you get to that level and you have the amount of talent that the Browns have, then yes, you can do it. You could have done it. Uh, But I'm not going to say good chance at this point. And I think that they're going to need to continue to push the envelope and do whatever they can to add talent to this football team. And I wrote about this yesterday. My column is up on cleveland.com right now about how, you know, the bar has to be set at Patrick for Deshaun and everyone else. That's where it's at. They cannot look at this offseason just in terms of 
trying to beat Lamar Jackson, trying to beat the Ravens, trying to beat the Bengals. They have to look at it as being able to beat everybody in the playoffs that you have to get past. And, of course, now that's going to include Josh Allen, potentially. That's going to include C.J. Stroud again. That's going to include Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, and Patrick Mahomes. And the bar is set so high, it's not going to be easy. The Browns landed in uh, the world of Patrick Mahomes right now. It's Patrick Mahomes' world and everybody else is just living in it, okay? Four Super Bowl appearances in six. That's got future GOAT written all over it to me. I think there's a good chance he's going to tie Tom Brady's Super Bowl record of seven victories, which is astounding, but I think Patrick has the talent to do it. And it's just one of those things where everybody had to wait for, you know, kind of Tom Brady to move out of the way to see who else could win a darn Super Bowl. And in comes Patrick Mahomes. And, uh, you know, it's it's just not going to get any easier, like Andrew Berry said at his season wrap-up press conference. So they've got to continue to push the envelope, and it's going to take really, really good defenders, really good defenders, uh, more weapons on offense. They can do it. Not going to be easy. Yeah, I mean, what it really is about is just giving yourself a chance every year, whatever that mm-hmm. looks like. Because, I mean, anything can happen. I mean, even Kansas City, for as great as Patrick Mahomes was and as great as that team played, as great as that defense was, how different is that game if that punt doesn't bounce off a guy's leg? You know, I mean, it's little things like that. So you just want to give yourself a chance to be in those games and be in those moments um, and maybe have a bounce go your way, have the talent, that have difference makers who can – you know, put you over the top, like a Miles Garrett. Obviously, we hope Deshaun Watson is a difference maker at quarterback, difference maker at receiver and Amari Cooper, right? It's just Nick Chubb, right? He's a difference maker at running back. So you just want to have those types of players and just get yourself in that mix so that you're not just sitting there in awe when you see Josh Allen and CJ Stroud and Patrick Mahomes and, and all these guys, because there will be opportunities. I mean, even Tom Brady, he won, he won three and four, and then he didn't win again until was it 2017 that they won that mm-hmm. that they started putting together that the second set of three. Now he got back to a few, and he was certainly in, you know, he was deep in the playoffs every single year. But there there will be opportunities because that's just how football works. But you have to make sure you're there and ready to take advantage of that opportunity. Take advantage of that one year when, for whatever reason, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs something doesn't go their way. And all of a sudden they're eliminated and they're not there. Yeah, you never know. I mean, it could be an injury. You just absolutely never know. I mean, when you have these running quarterbacks at any given time, you know, they could be, you know, out for the playoffs, out for the season, whatever the case may be. So, uh, you know, there could be that. But I think uh, the most important thing is, is that Deshaun Watson has got to be what they think he is. He's got to come back and be everything that they hoped he was when they uh, sent three first-round picks to Houston for him and paid him the $230 million guaranteed. Now, I've said it on this podcast, and I'm going to say it again today. I think the Browns should re-sign Joe Flacco. I think they should hurry to do it. Uh, I I think that that would give them absolutely uh, the insurance policy, the policy that they need against an injury to Deshaun Watson or – recovery issues coming back from his shoulder surgery. Uh, You know what you would have in him and you know that he's going to be able to get the ball to Amari Cooper. You know, those guys love playing with him. He already knows everything about this football team. He knows what he needs to know. He loves it here. I would do that. Um, 
I don't know if he's going to want to wait. I mean, he might not be the kind of guy that wants to wait for a better offer. He already knows what he has here. And he knows that this is an opportunity. Most quarterbacks don't start all 17 games as it is. And then you've got one here coming off of shoulder surgery. So I don't think it would be the worst opportunity in the world for Joe, but there might be people that saw enough in him to give him a chance to start in 2024, or at least compete for a starting job in 2024. And that's what he wants to do. He wants to play. He wants to play football. So it's going to be very interesting to see how how everybody handles this. But I do think that it's going to come down to the quarterback play. You've got to have somebody that can go toe-to-toe, head-to-head with Patrick Mahomes. And I should, I said 2017, I meant to say 2014 with Tom Brady. Um, Of course, 2017 was the year they lost to the Eagles, but it was 2014, 2016, and 2018 that he won again after he won in 01, 03, and 04. So there will be opportunities, but you've got to be ready to pounce on on some of those opportunities and, and take advantage of them when they present themselves. The one thing you can't do. And I think it's really like, it's really easy to just throw up your hands and say, well, what are you going to do? Patrick Mahomes is there. Like, that's what you can't do. You can't just say, well, can't, can't even think about it anymore. Patrick Mahomes is there. We can't beat him. So, and, and I'm not saying the Browns will do that, but like it is it's just about continuing to have talent and hope like crazy that your quarterback starts to look like the quarterback you traded for. Well, I'll tell you what, you know, the thing is when I talk about the fact that the Browns can't just plan for Joe Burrow and Lamar Jackson, the good thing about that is that some of the quarterbacks that they would have to face in the postseason have similar characteristics to uh, to Lamar Jackson. Right. I mean, you've got uh, you know, you've got Joe Burrow and he's you know, he's a great quarterback in his own right. But when you're out there trying to plan for a dual threat quarterback like Lamar, you know, that's why you go out and you get a Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa who has the speed and the range and the sideline to sideline goods to be able to, to get to and shadow a quarterback like that. So he'll, you know, he'll come in handy in, in other ways. He'll come in handy with CJ Stroud again down the road and he'll come in handy with, um, you know, Josh Allen or, Travis Kelsey or Patrick Mahomes. So some of the quarterbacks that you will be facing in the playoffs, you have already built your defense to try to handle dual threat quarterbacks like this. These guys are not just standing back there waiting for Miles Garrett to sack them. Sorry, not happening, right? So you've got to have the guys that can get the pressure, but you also have have to get have guys that can get upfield and stop them while they're running around. Um so there, there's a lot to consider here, but the Browns certainly over the past several years have built their defense and their offense to try to be able to beat those teams in the playoffs. That's what they're all about. That's why they had what was the number one defense in the NFL last year. Now, will that hold up next year? I've said this many times, and I'm going to continue to say it until everybody's sick of hearing it. They will play a better quarterback lineup in 2024 if everyone stays healthy. You're talking about Patrick Mahomes. You're talking about Dak Prescott. You're talking about Tua. You're talking about Jalen. Now, again, these are a lot of them, you know, dual threat quarterbacks. Not that all dual threat quarterbacks are the same. They're certainly not. I mean, look, you've got Josh Allen, who's out there as a linebacker. So you've got smaller, shiftier ones. You've got uh, bigger bruising ones, you know. But the notion of, of being able to handle 
all of those different kinds of offensive concepts that are so in vogue in the NFL right now, they're built to handle that. They are built to handle that. And they're going to see plenty of it during the regular season to get them ready for those kind of players. So, um, you know, so that that's what they're going to do. That's what they're going to continue to do. That's, you know, when Andrew Barry uh, marches forth into free agency and the trading period, which is coming up very soon. I mean, very, very soon. Um, you know, that's what he's going to do. He knows what the assignment is. And the assignment is to try to beat those guys in the playoffs that are so, so hard to deal with. And I think he'll just keep adding talent aggressively. Okay. This is a this is a good kind of Deshaun question here to kind of go with what we talked about. Uh, it comes from Tom Bays in Charlotte, North Carolina. Hey, Mary Kay, what is it going to take for Deshaun Watson to be considered in the elite company of Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, and Lamar Jackson? Well, Deshaun just has to get back uh, to the player that he was in Houston when he made three Pro Bowls, and you know he had that team. It looked like. Uh, you know, on pace to be one of the elite, formidable teams in the AFC, ready to challenge for Super Bowls before, you know, everything else happened. So um, so I, I just think he, that, you know, they need to find that player again. And what I think, I still think that player is in there. And I know I do get pushback on that a lot from from people, but I still think that player is in there. What I don't know, what I don't know, is how the shoulder is going to hold up. And I've been told time and time again that this is a it's a broken bone that heals. And when a bone heals, the bone is going to be fine. And that it's not anything that anybody needs to worry about. But in my mind, there's still something about, you know, coming off of a strained rotator cuff. And I don't think they, they did anything about the strained rotator cuff. I don't think they tried to repair that at all. I think this was just about the glenoid bone in the shoulder socket. Um, so in that case, a bone can come back and heal and fuse together even stronger than it, than it was before. But we don't know for sure how that's going to go, because as I've said also many times, I can't find anybody else who has had this surgery in the NFL. I can't, I can't find it. And, um, so we're not hundred percent certain how that's all going to go when you actually have to get out there and see what that arm is going to be like, but everyone keeps telling me it's going to be fine not a concern. If that's true, then I think that he still can be the quarterback that they sent those three first round picks for the quarterback that they paid $230 million for. I think that guy is still in there. Yeah. And you know, look, I mean, the reality of it is, you know, he's going to be 29 in September. Um, and we haven't seen that guy since 2020. It's been a long time and we keep getting farther and farther away for, from seeing that guy. Now, like, like I said, on Monday's pod, we're going to hear a ton about that second half against Baltimore. And for good reason, that was an, that was incredible. And that, that was the old Deshaun right there, but that's also all we've really seen of the old Deshaun before he got hurt. So, you you know, right now it is just kind of, you're hoping, right? Like you're hoping that that injury heals, like everybody says it's going to heal and that, you know, we're sort of in unprecedented territory here on a lot of levels. And so you're hoping that a lot of those unprecedented things happen, but he is still a very talented quarterback. Um, he, you know, the talent is still there. We see it. We see his ability to move. We see his ability, his ability to make plays on the run. Um, and, you know, we see we saw some of that accuracy come back last year. We, we saw the deep ball come back a little bit last year. But it's just, you just got to hope for some a level of consistency that we haven't seen yet for various reasons. It's hard to have consistency when you only play six games in each season. 
and the second season was interrupted by injuries right in the middle of it. So um, I, it's a long road, but again, this is, this is what the Browns kind of have to hang their hat on if they hope to be able to get to where the chiefs are, get to where the 49ers are. Yeah. I mean, I attribute so much of, of last year and his performance and what we saw or didn't see to the dual shoulder injuries, which I will always wonder, always wonder if that hit in week three in Tennessee uh, didn't somehow lead to the fractured glenoid bone. I've been told no many times that that's, these were two completely separate injuries, but you know, who, who could possibly know for sure. Anyways, um, I, I attribute his performance last season or his struggles last season to the shoulder injuries. I mean, you know, you can't look at the indie game and think, Oh, well, Deshaun just has lost it. I mean, you can't do that. I mean, he had a strained rotator cuff at that time and he did not have it. He did not have what he needed to do uh, to go out there and play football. So um, that's why I think that he should be okay because seeing flashes of, if you can see flashes of it, like we did see in that Baltimore game, then I think it's, I think it's still in there. And I think this is why a major reason why, they moved on from Alex Van Pelt and brought someone in who is very adept and skilled at working with dual threat quarterbacks in Ken Dorsey. I think they wanted someone who knows exactly how to call a game for a guy like that or prepare a game plan for a game like that, for a quarterback like that, I mean. Um, I think that's what the whole point of that was about. I mean, you saw that Joe Flacco flourished in those final five games of the season and Alex was in sync with him, and those two had their mojo down. But I think they want somebody who's going to devise the game plan that's absolutely 100% correct and appropriate for Deshaun Watson. And so I think that's why that change was made. Um, I still think Kevin should call the plays. I still want to see what Kevin and Deshaun can do together, okay? I still want to see if they can even approach anything close to Andy and Patrick, right? Why not? Now, maybe the Browns don't feel that way. Maybe everyone in that organization wants to see what Ken and Deshaun can do together. I don't know. I don't know for sure how that's going to go yet. I'd like to see Kevin try it before he gives it up to Ken. This is going to be difficult. Kevin and Ken, Kevin and Ken, Kevin. And Ken. Well, that's that's why our, our buddy Jay on Twitter, as Ashley pointed out, we should just start calling him Steven. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Let's start calling him Steven. That, that would be terrific. But um, I just think that um, they, you know, they wanted to, to try something different. And when you look back to last season, you can say, oh, well, you know, he didn't have the shoulder injury last season. Well, last season, they had not completely tailored the offense yet to Deshaun Watson. That's why he and Kevin Stefanski had, you know, a man to man talk in the off season about what he needs and what they were going to need to do and how they were going to need to change things up. Um, the offense wasn't in Deshaun's best interest yet when he came back from that season after the 11 game suspension and people and, and his teammates around him weren't necessarily ready for the Deshaun Watson program. You know, they weren't ready for no look passes and off schedule plays and site adjustments. And it just, it just didn't go right. So 
you know, we'll have to see how it goes this year. But the, the point is they have to hit the ground running. They don't have time for it to not go well in the beginning. And there's a lot of unknowns. It's a completely overhauled offensive staff. And it's going to be a completely revamped offense once again. And so everything is going to be new. Everything's going to be different. And now those receivers, those tight ends, they're going to be having to get used to Deshaun Watson again. They got all accustomed to Joe Flacco. And now they've got to get back to the Deshaun Watson program. And we don't know for sure yet when he's going to be throwing in the offseason or how much he's going to be throwing before it comes time to actually play a game. So, uh, so many unknowns, Dan, and, and that's just the big X factor here is that Deshaun has got to be playing really, really well for this to turn out the way everybody in Brownstown wants it to. Feels like last season all over again. <laughs> it's, right? It's the time, it's the time is a flat circle. Uh, meme right from, from true detective um okay yeah. we're gonna we're gonna take a break and then we've got some more questions here uh on our hey mary Kay edition of the orange and brown talk podcast and welcome back to the orange and brown talk podcast here on a tuesday hey mary Kay edition these questions from our football insider subscribers cleveland.com slash browns the blue banner at the top of the page tyler in montreal he's been at this for a little while with us hey mary Kay, what browns are questionable to be back next season and it feels like this roster is pretty stable but we know like there's always something there's always some move or some player or something you didn't expect that changes so who do you kind of have circled as far as like who might be a surprise to not be back next year maybe not even a surprise but just somebody who might not be back well first of all shout out again to montreal um I, my, my daughter lives in Quebec city, working for a a Quebec city circus company right now called flip fabrique. She spends a lot of time in Montreal. So love Montreal. Um, anyways, in terms of who might not be back, I don't think there are that many Browns players that you look at this year and you think they are just not coming back. I don't think, uh, there are all that many that would be that impactful that you would have to worry about it. Okay. There are some guys coming off of injuries and you never know how that's going to go. Right. You never know how it's going to go with an Anthony Walker, a Jacob Phillips, uh, you know, a Rodney McLeod, uh, some of the guys that are, you know, have been around for a little while and are coming off some injuries. Of course, they'd love to keep all of those guys if they could. Um, but those are some guys that you have to wonder, okay, how is this going to go? Uh, Zadarius Smith, I, you know, I, I think they want to re-sign Zadarius Smith. I think the only way that they wouldn't is if they end up springing for or spending a bunch of money on another number two edge. If they find another number two edge that they, that they really like, maybe that changes the game there a little bit. So that's one to think about. Um, then of course we have to think about the offensive tackles. And Dan, you're doing a series right now, and you have been working on this for a while, a couple weeks, on all the contracts of all the players and what everything looks like. So make sure, everybody, that you check that out. Uh, It's really good, very informative, and it's all, you know, everything that you need is right there in those stories. Um, But in terms of the offensive tackles, I think that's an interesting position to look at because if Jack Conklin comes back healthy from his torn patella, you know, then you've got three really good starting caliber offensive tackles. And can you afford to do that? Of course, you need uh, some good swing tackles. And they went down to their fourth and fifth this season. 
But, you know, can they pay all those guys? I don't know. I don't know if they can. I mean, DeWand has a very small salary as a fourth round pick last year. So it's really not as much uh, of a money issue as it might seem. It's more, you know, do you need three of those guys? So, you know, maybe that's a place where you look to to possibly do something. Um, you know, that's one to think about right there. And then you have to see how, you know, how healthy Jack is going to come back from his injury, how healthy the other guys are going to come back from their injuries. And, um, you know, those are some spots. But Amari will be back. Um, Nick Chubb is one. You know, we have to talk about Nick Chubb. But we know he's coming back. It's just a matter of is he going to be back right away, ready to go? And what do they do with the contract? Do you do an incentive-laden contract for games played? Do you somehow try to manage that $15 million cap number, cap charge? Um, So these are the kind of issues that they're going to be dealing with over the next month as we head into the start of the league year on March 13th, which is one month from today. It is one month from today already. It is time to get our start of league year game faces on, Dan. We've got to be ready to go. Counting down, counting down to the new year. Um, tackle, yeah, tackle has been a big one that I've sort of had circled for a little while here. As like, it, again, it's not so much a financial thing because Dewan's contract is cheap, but it is a none of those guys are going to be happy if you say, "Hey, you're not playing," sort of thing. And so I just I feel like something's got to give there, and maybe it's just as simple as they redo Jack's contract to make it more palatable to move on, um, but. I don't know. It just feel it feels like something's got to give. And I know, I know they always say over and over again all the right things about Jedrick Wills, but he is playing on his fifth year option. They've had, you know, I don't think there's an extension coming his way. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they do it this off season. But like, if you haven't extended a guy and he's about to play on his fifth year option, that's usually a sign that like a team still wants to see something from you. So I don't know. I feel like something funky could happen at tackle. Um, And then I I did secondary today and they have like, at some point something probably has to give with Greg Newsom, but I don't think it's any time soon. They'll pick up his fifth year option. It's probably going to be about 12 million, 12 and a half million dollars. So, you know, he'll be around for for at least a couple more years and you can figure it out from there. Um, As long as he's happy in his role, then I'd, that room is not really expensive outside of Denzel Ward. So, you, you know, you can you can afford to have some of those contracts in there for a little while. Um, so that's, I mean, tackle is the big one to me. And then just, you know, just kind of keeping an eye on if they need to do something financially, does that bring a Greg Newsom move in play, something like that. But I don't think they're in any rush to do, to do that. I think they still like Greg. Obviously, he was an AB draft pick, but... Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I, I don't know if there's a surprise move there, but it does just always feel like there's something, something we didn't expect or something just out of the blue, like, oh, they traded this guy or they waved to this guy or, or something like that. And and we always look at those Andrew Berry draft picks, as you mentioned, and you know we circle those guys, especially the first round picks, because you don't want to give up on your first round picks, especially Andrew Berry. He's very wed to those first round picks that they put all of that time and effort into. And, um, and Jed, I think Jed will come back and we'll have to see how that one plays out. Um, but he'll come back from his knee injury. He should be fine. And, um, and he will be playing, as you mentioned, on his fifth year option and they, you know, they'll have a decision to make. You can always franchise him 
after the year if you need to keep them. And that's the only way to do it. So they have options with all of those guys. And of course, you know, when you talk about restructuring a contract, the first place always to look is going to be Deshaun Watson. And his cap charge this year is almost $64 million, mind-boggling amount of money. Um, but, you know, it's it's not incredibly difficult to work with that contract a little bit because you just need to give him upfront roster bonus money again. He's getting all that money anyways. It's just a matter of when, not if. And, you know, so you can shave a significant amount off of that $64 million this year and clear some cap space for another um, player or two to be signed to help bolster this roster. So that's something to keep an eye on. Yeah. And the, and the Andrew Berry draft picks thing is again, that just keeps bringing me back to Jed and that whole situation. Like I, I know they did this with David Njoku, but that was, that was weird, right? Like David and Kevin weren't on the same page and they, they just weren't, it just wasn't time to do they the, the way things played out with David, it sort of had to just because of the timing of everything. But for as much as Andrew loves his draft picks to have not extended Jed yet is like, I don't know. It's an action speak louder than words thing in my mind. We'll see. Um, I just, that's, that's one that again, for some reason, I just kind of am putting a pin in that. Like if, if you love him so much, why, why haven't you extended him yet? Well, I think he was on his way to showing improvement last year. In fact, if you looked at ESPN analytics, they had him in their top 10 in terms of pass block win rate. And nobody would have guessed before you looked at that list, nobody would have guessed that Jed was in the top 10. I don't think you would have or I would have, but he was. He was in the top 10 there. And so, you know, that's pretty darn good. And he was starting to kind of come around and improve, which is an easy thing to do under Bill Callahan, their former offensive line coach, who is so good at his job and had DeWan playing so well, Ethan, the guards, everybody across the board, Judd, you know, you name it, um, getting all pro seasons out of Joel and Jack. So, um, you know, he, I think he was on his way to showing them some of what they needed to see when he got this season ending knee injury. And so, you know, that threw a monkey wrench into the plans there, but I think they were starting to be pretty happy with Jed. Okay. We had a Taylor Swift question. I don't know if we're allowed to do a Taylor Swift question without Ashley, but we're going to. Um, So this comes from Tom in Middlebury, Connecticut. Um, Okay. That starts off a little, a, a little random here. But hey, Mary Kay, which power couple was bigger, Taylor and Travis or Joe DiMaggio and Marilyn Monroe? But this is the real question. Do you think that Taylor Swift storyline was distracting or was it Super Bowl as usual? And look, you were there. You talked to Travis. You you were around. Did it did it feel any different or was it just kind of another Super Bowl storyline? Well, let me first say that I get a little nervous when I get these questions about like... (laughs) I know where you're going with this. (laughs) Marilyn Monroe. I'm not that old. I'm not that old. I mean, I I don't remember that. Let's just say that was not something that I would have remembered. Um, I know that it occurred, but I'm not that old. So let's just start with that premise right there. Um, So 
Um, in terms of Tavis, I didn't think it was too much of a distraction at all. I think it's fun. I think it's good for the game. I think it's wonderful. I saw a cute, cute little video of a darling little girl uh, with a Kansas City outfit on watching the game on TV. She looked to be maybe three or four years old. And when they asked her who her favorite player was, she said Taylor Swift. I mean, how cute is that? How cute is that? I mean, it brought not just three and four year old eyes, but it brought a lot of new eyes to the game. And that's what the NFL is seeking to do. So if this does turn out to be some kind of a PR stunt, it's a brilliant one, brilliant one, because it brought a ton, a ton of new eyes to the game. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. They're trying to grow the game nationally. They're trying to grow the game globally. And what a better way to do that than to use arguably the most popular female star in music right now to bring in new people into your game. So I had no problem with that. Yeah. And like the whole distraction thing, I never felt like there was any sort of distraction happening. Like, I think that was, it was just all outside. Like there was never, it never seemed like Travis was distracted or wasn't performing on the field because of all this. And I, I mean, I'm sure like even at the Super Bowl, he it probably only came up when somebody asked about it. It's not like he was doing anything differently than he normally would have other than, you know, answering questions if he got asked. So I don't know. I think the whole distraction storyline, and it's certainly easy to say after they win the Super Bowl, but even if they lost, I don't think it would have been because of this relationship. Like, And, and I said it on Monday's pod, I thought the cutaways were fun in, in the Super Bowl in particular, because you could just sort of see that every, you know everybody in that suite just living and dying with every play. Like, I, I don't know. I thought that was kind of a fun, a fun window into, into somebody who was really invested in the game watching it. Well, also, I mean, hey, if it's good enough for Adele, it should be good enough for us, right? I mean, she says that it has made the game more interesting to have uh, Taylor Swift involved. And she went to bat for Taylor Swift, who has taken heat from fans for being shown all the time, which, once again, she's not the one cutting away to herself. You know, half the time she looks like absolutely stunned and surprised that she's on camera. Uh, So it's not her fault. And I thought it was cool that Adele came to her defense. And some people may have seen my tweet from the other day. I used a a shot of the two of them together, Adele and Taylor Swift, and said how cool it is that they're both dating, uh, you know, nice Cleveland guys. Um, And, you know, we've got it going on here in the land, right? Ladies, see what you've been missing all these years. So I think it's kind of cool. I think it's good for, for Cleveland to have all that attention on, you know, Cleveland and Cleveland Heights with Travis. I wrote a little bit about that the other day. Um, Ashley wrote about that. Um, so yeah, I think, I think it's fun. I think it's, I think it's very fun. I did not think it was a distraction. I mean, heck last year, Donna Kelsey was more of a distraction almost than Taylor was this year. Everywhere we looked, we saw Donna Kelsey, Um, so, you know, why not? I mean, bring it on. It's fun. It's good for the game. And again, I think it's good for Cleveland. Yeah. I mean, Travis and Jason did a live podcast from the Super Bowl last year, didn't they? Like just one of the nights they did a live podcast from the Super Bowl. Isn't that, I mean, that's more of a distraction than Travis sitting at a podium when he would normally be sitting at a podium anyway and getting asked questions about Taylor Swift. I don't. Yeah. yeah, I I think it's just. And I asked one. Yeah. See. 
I um, asked a Taylor question. I, I took a risk. I thought, oh, should I do this or not? But, you know, you had, I <laughs> you had to shoot, shoot my shot. You have to shoot your shot. Right? I mean, so I asked him, are you working hard to bring the Eras tour to Cleveland? I mean, would ha- I have been worth my salt as a reporter from Cleveland.com if I did not ask Travis Kelsey that question? Would I have been? It's it's better to take your shot and, and get a non-answer than to not take your shot and have the potential of maybe getting a great answer not, right? not even have that opportunity. So, right. yeah. Absolutely. Had to do it. By the way, the Marilyn Monroe, Joe DiMaggio um, question. When did that take? When did that take place? When oh, were God, they together? I don't even know. I, I'm scared to know. But it, it reminded me of, um, I don't know if you want to tell this story or not, but the Frank Gifford <laughs> yes. interview request that you got back after Frank Gifford died. I'm, I'm looking it up. I guess that was in 2015. Um, <laughs> and it just, it reminded me of an interaction that you had regarding Frank Gifford. Yeah. I'm like, really? You really think I watched Frank Gifford play? <laughs> All right. When, when did, um, do I look that bad, Dan? No. I, mean, I don't do, I don't do Botox. I don't do any of that kind of stuff. I don't like that stuff. I would not inject stuff like that into my face. So, I could look better than I do. I understand. I could do that. Okay. But I'm not see. in and I'm I'm not that person that would want to do that. So <laughs> I probably could look younger, but that's not happening anytime soon. I did just so, come across a story that says Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey romance reminiscent of Marilyn Monroe, Joe DiMaggio. So Okay, there we go. Maybe that's where that came from. But when when were Joe I have to, I and Marilyn hanging out? Let me let's head to Wikipedia here. I couldn't find exact dates. I mean, Marilyn died in 1962, so... Oh, you're um, killing me. Let's see here. They were before my time, Dan. Would this be, would this be in the personal the personal yes. section? I'm going to have to do a, a search here. This is great podcasting, by the way. <laughs> um, oh, 1954 and 1955. Okay, not born yet. Married to Joe DiMaggio. Not born yet, not born, not born. <laughs> <laughs> Just for your edification, be- before my time. Frank Gifford, before my time. Jim Brown's playing career, before my time. Thank you. Uh, radio host saying, you watched Frank Gifford play, didn't you? <laughs> no. No, I know I've been around. It seems like I've been around forever, but I'm not that old. Not that old. I'm getting there. But I'm not that. And I'm still trying to hang in there. And you're you're at press conferences asking about Taylor Swift. Right. Come on. And and I'm going to Adele and I'm I'm trying. I'm trying to (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to stay with it and embrace the technology, right? Yes, yes, right. Well, speaking (laughs) of staying with it and embracing technology, you should find us on Instagram. Search Orange and Brown Talk and give us a follow. Um, Find us on YouTube. Search Cleveland Browns on Cleveland.com and become a Football Insider subscriber. Go to Cleveland.com slash Browns. Click the blue banner at the top of the page to get involved in that. Uh, For Mary Kay, I am Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks.